0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Hello, and welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Today is Monday, December 18th. My name is Chris Crawford. I'm joined by my good buddy and colleague, Drew Silva. We're going to be talking about some breakout potential hitters for the 2024 season. We know there's four months to go, but we can't help but look ahead. But before we do that, we got to talk about some moves that were made for that 2024 season, Drew. It was a pretty busy little weekend. Uh, Some trade, some injury stuff, and a whole lot in between. But let's start with the, the trade between the Dodgers and the Rays that sees Tyler Glass now head home, now a member of the... Los Angeles Dodgers was a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. He is traded along with Manny Margot for Johnny DeLuca, one of the better Italian names. He should probably be playing for the Royals if you look at their roster construction right now, if you think Mm -hmm. about it, as well as Ryan Pepiot. I think this is a pretty fascinating trade, Drew. That could be a real longtime winner for the Rays, but certainly helps the Dodgers, I think, in 2024.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised the Dodgers didn't wait for mainly yoshinobu yamamoto yeah. Um to sign it seems like that's kind of what's holding up that's the next domino to fall it's why we haven't seen a Dylan Cease trade uh the Shane Bieber trade rumblings have kind of stopped. Um it's you know it's why like Cody Bellinger there's been no buzz about that yet. I think a lot of teams are waiting because a lot of the biggest spending clubs in baseball are going after Yamamoto and right. you know if you're trading a player or you're targeting a different player you you want all the big spending teams to be involved in that, in that race. But, you know, the race have been shopping glass now since I don't know, probably last off season o- over right. the summer, there were rumblings that could happen even as they were vying for the AL title. And right at the beginning of the off season, all the talk was, all right, they're going to trade him. He's entering the final year of his guaranteed salary. It was at $25 million that he was going to be owed in 2024 before working out that contract extension with the Dodgers. Um, so I- I'm sure the Rays had a good idea of what kind of offers would be out there. And yeah, they got a nice package of, of a really good pitcher and a really good position player um, in, in return for glass. Now who was, is, who was going to be a rental until he, you know, the extension was kind of part of that trade agreement. Right. We, you know, glass now at his best is a top tier, you know, upper tier kind of pitcher. Um, there's been some real durability concerns recently, injuries, all kinds of different injuries. Um, so there's some risk here for the, for the Dodgers. Like it, to to suddenly sign him to an extension without seeing what he's going to do over you know like he, he threw a career high you know what was it 127 innings last year like that was he 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 rarely like gets up into that range and then to like even expect him to throw 150 innings a year is is kind of asking a lot right um but i guess for the dodgers a four year 110 million dollar extension isn't that risky when you give one player you know, I, I don't know what is that contract. What is Otani's contract actually worth? Have we figured yeah. that out yet? Let's, <laughs> Not really. let's call it 10 years, 700 million. <laughs> um, with some some creative math involved, yeah. if, if you can drop that on a player who you don't know is ever going to pitch again, he might just be a 70 million a year designated hitter. Then I guess you're willing to accept a, a lot of risk, but yeah, I mean, f- for now, just on the surface, I I like it for for the Rays almost a bit more, but if, if the Dodgers get glass now it is at his best over the next four or five years, maybe even if he gives you three really good years, you know it's a good deal. I don't, M- Manuel Margot doesn't do a whole lot for me. He's obviously yeah. a, a really good defensive player. Um, and he's probably going to play a lot in that outfield, um, but I think it, it'll be more about the glove than what he could potentially do offensively or like for fantasy purposes.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I will say this. I think the Pepiot Pepiot transaction is very interesting for the Rays. I'm not quite the believer in that he's the strike-throwing machine that he was for the Dodgers, just based on his history over the past few seasons. But I think you have to say his fantasy stock goes up with this deal. Pretty much, I would think, a lock to make the rotation at this point, barring just an awful spring training or an injury, heaven forbid. But I think his stock goes up, and I think Johnny DeLuca is somebody to keep an eye on as well. Now, he's probably going to play – The Tampa Bay Rays and their platoons, I would imagine they find a way to platoon his bat, which will limit some of his fantasy value. But long term, I think he's an interesting addition as well. For me, this kind of comes down to, this is almost the definition of the family guy trade, right? Like the boat's a boat. It could be anything. It could even be a boat. Well, Ryan Pepiot is uh, Ryan Pepiot, or Tyler Glasnow is Tyler Glasnow. He could be, Ryan Pepiot could be anything. He could even be Tyler Glasnow. I just think that the upside of him, and sometimes I think we look at innings pitched for starting pitchers a little too much, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, he's only know. gonna with give you. Like now, a, I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's with worth 100, at.
1: 100, oh, yeah, for sure it's worth looking at, and it's why he's not like one of the five best pitchers in baseball. But yeah. like you look at those 120 innings, well, they're over 20 starts, and I will take 20 starts of Tyler Glass now, knowing that he's going to keep you in games and have some absolute electric stuff. Yeah, sometimes he's not very efficient, and you got to pull him in the fourth inning and stuff like that. I would rather have those three and a third innings of no runs where you got to go to your bullpen than rely on some of the other starters in baseball. That's just my humble estimation. I I get it. Innings are very valuable, and especially in today's day and age, when you have people going deep into games, it becomes even more valuable. But sometimes I think we need to look a little bit more at the quality instead of the quantity. For every Tyler Glass now, there is. Lance Lynn last year, and those innings were sorry, Drew. We got to talk about Lance Lynn a little bit. We sure. <laughs> these did, these things tend to do happen, but yeah, it's a fascinating trade. I think Tyler Glass now stock goes up for sure. I think Ryan Pepiot's stock goes up for sure. I don't really care about Manny Margot as well. He's a nice, valuable platoon bat type of thing, and they're going to play him because he's making too much money to not play really. But uh, Johnny DeLuca, absolutely a name to keep an eye on for the future. Max Scherzer's future is a little bit in doubt now, Drew. Uh, He undergoes surgery to repair a herniated disc and will be slide-lined until June or July. Of course, Scherzer dealt with injuries last year, only makes his return after a couple of starts. I can't remember exactly how many he ends up making for the Rangers. I don't think it's really important, but does return for the postseason. But now, this is a guy they're not going to get until June or July. Are you just completely ignoring Max Scherzer in redraft leagues now?
2: Um man it kind of depends what your your setup is if you can throw him in an IL spot and and be able to carry him through the entire first half maybe but yeah i generally shy away from pitchers that i'm not going to be able to use for at least the first 3 months of the season i'll let someone else deal with that and and figure out how to keep him in an IL spot um there're just so many with with the the injured list, well, I guess for pitchers it's still fifteen days, but like with the with position players only being on the IL for ten days, like right. teams are gonna use that IL a lot. We've seen that since they made that change to the rule book. Um, and so I, I I wouldn't feel like I'd be able to just carry them along for a full half season. Maybe like pick them up in May if no one else has scooped them up off the waiver wire. Um, yeah, this is a, a pretty tough blow for the Rangers who are going to enter the 2024 season as, as the reigning world series champions, but mm-hmm. not being able to, to count on Scherzer, not being able to, to count on Jacob deGrom necessarily. And there's a lot of money tied up into those two players. You'd think they'd make a run at, um, Jordan Montgomery at re-signing him with how good he was down the stretch. Yeah, he's a, he's another guy whose market hasn't really fired up yet because mm-hmm. I think he's waiting for Yamamoto to sign. To you know, actually, like the Tyler Glassnow extension probably kind of sets the market for what, what Montgomery can ask for and mm-hmm. and should able should be able to ask for even a little bit more because Maybe. he's been far more durable than Glassnow has been. Um, but yeah, Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, who's really tied into the Rangers, said he's he's got no indications that. the the Rangers are even talking to Montgomery. They're not in that realm of being able to offer a pitcher $25 million, which I get because there's a lot of currently dead money on their books. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this, I mean, Scherzer, you know, he's, he's had some little things pop up over the years. And I, I feel like in recent years, it's been more serious kind of injuries. You know, he's 38. 39 years old and he'll he'll turn 40 this July so it's kind of what you expect from a pitcher reaching that kind of age Um, but I'm sure he's going to be good in the second half and Mm -hmm. maybe he's Good for the playoffs if, if the Rangers can get in there again and, and make a nice run. And they could have Jacob DeGrom back down the stretch, too. So um, if if things go right with both of their rehabs, you know, that's a dangerous one-two punch to just suddenly bring in around midseason. And DeGrom could be even ready earlier than that.
1: You know who should be really interested in Jordan Montgomery, by the way? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Like, hmm. I think he would be such a good – and he would provide, you know, for a rotation that has – Talent, no question about it, but a lot of question marks in terms of durability. He would provide some floor and safety for him. Also, I was looking at the raids, uh, Rangers projected rotation to begin the year. It's still pretty solid. You've got Nathan valdi John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, um, Cody Bradford didn't look great, but could battle for that fifth spot. Owen White, who is one of their better pitching prospects. Now, is that a World Series contending rotation? I'm not so sure. And I honestly hate when people say, oh, this is like a trade deadline acquisition for us when we get this player after back from the injured list. But they're going to get probably Tyler Mallet, Jacob deGrom, and Max Scherzer at some too. point in the second yeah. half of the year. That could be massive for them, especially if, like, I could see Mallet, you know, as they're bringing him back, maybe using him as a multi-inning reliever. That bullpen scared the you-know-what out of all of us. It's one of the reasons why I think a lot of people didn't want to pick them to win the World Series on top of the fact that they kind of scuffled in. But I think that's an interesting little situation that they have going on there. But I agree with you. With with Max Scherzer, I'm playing the wait-and-see game. If he falls into my lap and I happen to not draft anybody that I'm not putting on my injured list, sure, yeah, that's great to have. But if somebody's willing to go be expensive about it and draft him a few rounds earlier, I'm willing to take the risk and hope that Jacob DeGrom maybe falls into my lap because what a boon he could be for that rotation, um, your fantasy rotation over the final two months.
2: And Matt Malley was an interesting acquisition too. I I really loved him. Um, Yeah. But but he, he suffered that shoulder injury with the reds right before he got traded to the twins. I don't think he's necessarily been the same since then. You can see it in in the data, not, not even just like the ERA. Um, So I I worry about that, but, You know, by the time he is coming back and and joining the Rangers actual like active rotation, he'll be two and a half years removed from that injury. And hopefully that just gives him some time to to get back to what he was right before he banged up his shoulder.
1: So we got to talk about one of the big spenders. You know, we're not talking about the Yankees. We're talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Kansas City Royals out here showing their money, (laughs) spending big time. Lourdes Gurriel returns to the Arizona Diamondbacks on a three-year, $42 million contract that also includes a club option for a fourth season. In his first year with the Diamondbacks, he hit 261, 309, 463, 24 homers, 82 RBI, 5 steals. I thought that we were going to look at a little bigger contract here from Gurriel just because there are not a ton of elite bats out here. But I think this is a nice return for him being back in the Arizona uh, where he had one of his best full seasons. And also, I think Arizona should be thrilled to have it at such a, dare I say, low AAV. I,
2: I thought it was a value too for the reasons that you state there just isn't much position player talent out there. We talked about Cody Bellinger briefly at the top of the show. Like, I don't know. He might be the last free agent to sign. Like maybe that's Bellinger's strategy is Like let everyone spend their money, try to fill their holes. And then I'm going to be like the, the, the one big prize remaining. And that's probably a smart way for, for him to do it. Cause he's, he should get a lot of love from, you know, the ability to play multiple different positions. He could play first base, he could play center field. Um, but yeah, I, I like Gurriel. Like, he's a kind of player you don't really know what you're going to get from year to year. Like, you know, is the plate discipline approved? Uh, Oh, it is. And then it's not improved. He's a good source of batting average. He's an OBP guy. He's not hitting from as much power, but now he's a power hitter. Um, We've seen a lot of different variations of what Lourdes Gurriel is like through his age 30 season already. Um, But he's a nice fit for the Diamondbacks. You can usually count on him approaching an 800 OPS with some pop and can play the corner outfield or or mix in at at DH. Um, We talked about Jake McCarthy on the last episode you and I did together. Mm -hmm. Um, This, I think, kind of damages his stock. I I was looking at him to possibly rebound next year, and maybe he still will, but um, just – bringing Guriel back to fill in some of those corner outfield starts is, is going to hurt McCarthy's playing time and he'll probably be, be platooned at the very least. Um, so I'm not as high on him as I was maybe on that show that we did two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's a nice fit for, you know, he was an all-star for the first time last year, Guriel. Um, obviously helped the Diamondbacks make a surprise run to the World Series, and and for that, yeah, that price tag. I wonder if he took less because he just yeah. enjoyed his time in Arizona so much. Because I I thought he would have done a little bit better, like you said, just for the scarcity of of position player upgrades available on the market.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting too. Jeff Passan of ESPN reports that they're still looking for a power hitting designated hitter as well. So I think that also hurts McCarthy. I heard that. Think that hurts Dominic Fletcher. I think that hurts. Uh, potentially Alec Thomas we'll see his defense is so good that I think they're going to yeah. find a way to have him in the lineup, but it's going to be interesting to see the diamondbacks are, have made themselves like they weren't a bad team last year. They were a very flawed baseball team. Everybody forgets that they kind of snuck in. I don't know if they forget it or not, but I want to point it out. They snuck yeah. into the postseason and they showed what happens when you get in the postseason. Anything can happen. I'd March love madness. to see it. <laughs> Yep. It is March madness for sure. That 12 seed advancing to the world series. I would love to see Jorge Soler sign with that team. I think sure. he would be a really nice fit there. Also, Teoscar Hernandez, if they're willing to go. I think they're going to have to go a little higher AAV for Teoscar to go sign there. But they just saved a bunch, I think, by bringing back Lourdes Gurriel at the price that he did. I think Teoscar Hernandez in that ballpark would be a very nice fit. Also, some yeah, rumors man. about J.D. Martinez coming back to Arizona.
2: All three so, of those make sense.
1: Yeah, why not just sign all three? Just Just make everybody look stupid and we'll just rotate and everything will work out just fine. Go Diamondbacks. Uh, We're going to talk about some hitters that could break out similar to the players that we just spoke about. But first, we're going to take a very quick commercial break.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: Are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas all right so let's talk about those breakout hitters we're each going to do four drew there were a lot of guys i wanted to talk about on this list there were a ton that i ended, ended up having to cut move you took a bunch of my guys which was a real jerk move it's not surprising never been a very um good person but Mm -hmm. did you have the same problem i did like wanting to cut this down to four because there were just a ton of young hitters that i'm really excited about for 2024
2: yeah and we talked about this on episode that we did with the two 2023 breakouts. There were a mm-hmm. lot to choose from to talk about then. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I aimed for like less obvious ones, but there are plenty of top prospects that maybe haven't quite hit their stride yet that you could see breaking out um in 2024. It's, it's a deep pool of young talent around baseball on the position player spot side, especially the, the pitching is is going to be a little bit harder. I'm glad I left that for <laughs> you and Ryan to figure out. Um, I'll start with reds infielder Noel V. Marte. And, you know, really that entire Reds infield could qualify here. There's a lot to look forward to if you're a Reds fan with being able to watch this infield group all grow up together. Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean, you could throw Spencer Steer in there too, sure. though he's he's probably going to play the corner outfield with them signing Heimer Candelario uh, being brought in as a free agent to most likely just cover first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Noelvi Marte maybe flies under the radar a bit compared to those other guys because he has less major league experience, but, Last year in his first 35 big league games, an 822 OPS, three home runs, six stolen bases, a 316 batting average. Um, So we got a nice dose of what he can be. He was part of that Luis Castillo trade with the Mariners. I think both sides are pretty happy with how that has turned out so far, even with Castillo fading down the stretch last season. Um, Yeah, Marte has that that power speed skill set that all fantasy managers desire. uh, And a a pretty mature plate approach at age 22, turn 22, and i October. Um, so he made his debut last year at age 21. Can play all around the infield defensively, never got great reviews for his defense at, at shortstop, but I don't see the Reds using him there a ton anyway with no. the ability to put De La Cruz or Matt McClain at short. Um, I like the fit at third base for for Marte with he has improved his arm strength since he was like a young international prospect. I think he could really shine out of the gate at Great American Ballpark, one of the most power-friendly stadiums in the majors. Like Give me 18 to 22 homers, 25 steals, a useful batting average. You know, I bet he starts out hitting sixth or seventh in the Reds lineup, but with a path to move up if he, if he comes out hot, which I think he could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I The Reds are just such a fun team to follow right now, too. Like, if I was starting an MLB The Show franchise, the Reds would yeah. be really tempting to play. Hunter Green. Chaos. Yeah, so much young talent, so many – uh, good young players like in the pitching you know it's flawed but they have got some guys who can throw really hard and are fun like hunter green uh, i like that call a lot i'm going to stay in the nl central i'm going to go with the guy who did not have as much success in 2023 but i very much do believe in his bat in 2024 and that's self relic now he ends up with a 241 average 341 on base percentage 351 slugging percentage that's only an ops of 91 And my concern here is that he did not make a whole heck of a lot of hard contact. I don't think he has to make a whole heck of a lot of hard contact. I think this is still a guy who's going to hit for a solid average because he is so difficult to strike out. And he's the rare guy who's tough to strike out who also takes pitches. His whiff percentage of 14.6 would have ranked very close to the top of baseball, 16.6 strikeout percentage, and a 12.6 Walk percentage. I mean, those are pretty close to elite numbers for a 23-year-old who was playing in his first season. I also think the wrist injury really impacted him. He ends up coming back, of course, but I don't think he ever was completely healthy. There was just too much hard contact made in the previous years for me to believe that this is the full version of South Relic. He's a guy who can run. He can steal bases. Good chance he's sitting at the top of that Milwaukee lineup is going to give him a chance to score some runs. I know the Milwaukee lineup is not exactly a murderer's row right now, but still hitting at the top, it gives you a chance for scoring runs. Could be platoon situations here where we see some Milwaukee outfielders, young Milwaukee outfielders playing um, on different days, so maybe not elite playing time. But this is a guy who has a chance for, I think, contributions in at least three categories, potentially a fourth if he bottom of the lineup gives him a chance to drive in some runs. But I think South Relic's getting underdrafted to start the year, and I would not be shocked at all if people regret that by the time we get to the All-Star break or so.
2: Yeah, that's a weird Brewers lineup for sure, but Yelich in left field, you Mm -hmm. know, Jackson Churio most likely being the opening day center fielder after signing that contract that you know removes any concerns about service time and then South Relic and Wright I still kind of wonder um what Garrett Mitchell's future is because you know this time last year or even going into opening day the the kind of like the carpet was kind of rolled out for him to establish himself as a regular m- member of that Brewers outfield but now he's he's kind of been I don't know. I guess he'll kind of be like a fourth outfielder or maybe he'll spend some more time in A. but I don't really yeah. see, see him needing that. Maybe they package him in a trade. I mean, there's a lot of off season left or even at spring training. And also there's, there was a possibility that Churio spends a little bit more time in the minors, sure. even though he did sign that extension. Yeah. I would, yeah uh, I, real quick yeah.
1: too, Joey Weimer. Like I'm curious sure. what they're going to do with that because yeah, it ended spectacularly bad but there were some real flashes of brilliance from that guy i would not give up on joey weimer in dynasty leagues i think he has a really interesting power speed uh situation going on but please continue my friend
2: all right my next potential breakout candidate for two thousand. 24 is angels catcher logan Ohapi, and he kind of already did break out last year but it, it was just a 51 game sample size because he tore the labrum in his left non-throwing shoulder in april and, and missed four months but man there was a lot to like when Ohapi was healthy 14 home runs in those 51 games a 796 ops the dude barrels up baseballs and, and hits them with authority especially for a catcher he draws walks too or you know he did in the minors at least a, a 416 on base percentage at AA in 2022 then basically skipped the a level and now looks like a really important piece you know for an Angels team that is in transition in, in the post Shohei Ohtani era possibly trading Mike Trout they say they're not going to do it this winter but i feel like that might just have to happen eventually with the right. way that organization is headed well oh, happy's 23 years old though and Yeah, I mean, the Angels are kind of a mess, Um, but that just kind of gives Ohapi a prominent lineup spot, a prominent, you know, spot in that organization as as they – transition into a, a new era and he offers a lot of things that most catchers don't which you like in fantasy it's the shallowest position in, in fantasy obviously um that was an interesting trade that that sent Ohoppy to the angels it was a one-for-one swap at the 2022 trade deadline with brandon marsh going to philadelphia marsh has been really good for the phillies like mm-hmm. more real life good than fantasy good you um, know, Ohapi would have been blocked uh, by JT Romuto on a long-term contract. They're still in Philly. So it, it seems like the kind of deal that'll work out for both sides long-term or it appears any that way, anyway. Right now, Ohapi is definitely unproven in the majors. Uh, but what he did in a short sample last year—you look at the minor league numbers, the plate approach that he showed at Double um, i am I'm pretty excited about what he can bring to the catcher position because you know we've been clamoring for there to be new life at this position, and we've gotten a little bit of it. But I think Ohapi can be a big part of that—that that, that rises up the ranks. I don't I don't think he's an Adley Rushman type, um, but maybe like in the in the third tier, second tier of catchers.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. And the only concern I really have with Ohapi is he's that type of guy I can see having 30 homers and 65 RBI. Like, yeah, that's and that's true. not his fault. It's just that I think that that Angel's top of the lineup. And you, I have to imagine now is going to hit like fourth or fifth, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. Uh, better than hitting seventh or eighth in a terrible lineup. But I don't think that there's going to be a ton of RBI chances. A little questionable about the batting average as well, but that power is legit, and he's a very solid backstop, so he's going to get a chance to play. Was kind of surprised he ended up actually finishing the year with the Angels, because everything really pointed to that injury being season-ending, but the fact he was able to get on the field and play as well as he did is really encouraging. I'm going to give you another catcher that I think has a chance to bring life into the position, and I'm going to go with Bo Naylor. Uh, You look at Bo Naylor's numbers and, you know, a good host would have them exactly up, but I didn't. 233, 339, 470. That is an 809 OPS. That's pretty darn good for a rookie catcher, Drew. And then you take a look at what he did in the first half compared to the second half. First half, only 56 plate appearances, so a fairly small sample size. But he hit 196, 268, 294. Clearly a learning curve going on there. 18 strikeouts in his 51 at-bats. Second half of the year, this guy hit 252, 362, 531. That's an 893 OPS, and his batting average on balls in play was actually down to 262. Now he does pop the baseball up, and that's my biggest concern with Naylor is weak contact, and he swings and misses quite a bit. But that power is definitely legit, similar to Ohapi, in the fact that he can hit the baseball over the fence. The Austin Hedges signing at first was a little bit concerning to me, especially because they actually paid him real money. And anytime the Guardians pay someone real money, you have to assume that he's going to get significant playing time. But I think Hedges is there to kind of hedge your bet. That's a little bit of a uh, pun to play. And also the fact that he can work with that pitching staff as well is another interesting thing for Hedges. I think Naylor has star potential. It would not shock me at all if we're talking about a player next year who it's 25 to 30 homers, drives in 80 to 90 RBIs, and the average is just good enough to keep him from being detriment to asset. If you are talking about on-base percentage leagues, I really like Bo Naylor because his approach at the plate is outstanding. A uh, brother of Josh Naylor, kind of fun having those two. By the way, I think Josh Naylor will get traded. Would you agree
2: with that? Yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. I think the um, Seattle
1: actually makes a lot of sense too. But Bo Naylor, yeah. definitely somebody I'm looking at as a breakout for 2024.
2: Another catcher, uh, just while well, you've been talking, Tyler Soderstrom of the A's, and I don't actually know how much he's going to catch long-term, yeah. um, but it seems like the A's really like him or like his bat because they, they rushed him pretty quickly through the minor leagues, and, and he was bad last year in his short first like cup of coffee in the majors. I, I just wrote up the Roto-Wire draft guide outlook for him and it's nice. hard to like guess on what kind of player he's going to be but the a's really seem to trust that he's like a major league ready, ready hitter whether he's at dh first base or catcher for them kind of cycling between all three um i wonder if he brings a little little power to the catcher position next year again i don't know if he's a long-term catcher but he's going to be eligible there at least for the next year probably next couple years good call yeah all right. My next uh, potential breakout hitter for 2024 is Royals third baseman, Michael Garcia. And you, know, you mentioned the, all the Royals additions, but we didn't really talk about it. I don't know if there's much to talk about Seth Lugo. Yeah. Michael Waka, Hunter Renfro uh, Will Smith, Chris Stratton. I feel like I'm even missing a, a couple. I don't know if you have any thoughts.
1: Michael Walker also being added to yeah. that roster. Uh, I, I love it. I think it is a really smart thing because I think what it allows the Royals to do is to make the progression uh, a big step in 2025 because you've added some pieces for 2024. Look, this team won 56 games last year. I think asking them to win 85 to win that division next year is a lot. I don't know if they've added 30 wins in talent, but they probably added 10 to 15 And then if you add 10 to 15 next year and you continue to see Bobby Witt Jr. and Vinny Pasquantino and uh, Michael Garcia, who you're talking about right now, and a guy that I'm going to talk about next, there's some real talent in Kansas City. I really like what the Royals did.
2: Yeah, they're not blow-you-away type upgrades. It's a little bit more quantity than quality, but they are a much better team today than they were two weeks ago. 100%. And the American League Central is up for grabs. The twins aren't spending money. They're, they're shedding payroll. The guardians don't want to spend any money. The white socks are a tire fire. Um, (laughs) Like it's it is it's there for the taking with even with like these kind of quantity over quality upgrades. Um, So, yeah, I'm not sure this makes them a sudden contender, but in that division, it's like not crazy to think it might. Um, But, yeah, that's that's a nice segue back to Michael Garcia. And and if the Royals do make a surprise push in 2024, his potential progression will almost certainly be a part of it. 23 stolen bases in 123 games last year as a rookie, only four home runs. But you dig a little deeper on that, he was 93rd percentile in hard hit rate among all major league hitters. He was 87th percentile in average exit velocity, you know, also 86th, 82nd percentile in expected batting average you know you can punch holes in those numbers but you know that's over a pretty large sample like he played almost an entire major league season and that's really encouraging to me I, I think we can look beyond the only four home runs and say he's actually a better hitter than that suggests he played yeah. great defense at third base which can you know serve as a kind of like buoy for him as he hopefully takes some strides toward becoming a more well-rounded hitter the indicators are are, are there that he can take another step beyond just offering steals like in fantasy um, got a lot of leadoff looks down the stretch in 2023 he was actually kansas city's primary leadoff man for much of the second half which i don't know if that's where he should be hitting Um, but you look at the expected batting average you know maybe he could be like a a, a top of the order type guy and and hidden in front of bobby witt jr it seems like it's going to be a fruitful thing for a long time michael garcia is 23 years old you know this is more under the radar but i think he could pop in 2024 he's going to be fantasy relevant because of the steals um but i I think he's going to offer a bit more of everything next year
1: yeah i think that's a really good call he's just a you know It's unspectacular, but I think he's the type of guy who can give you a little bit in every category. Like, I do think that the power will certainly be better. It can be a whole heck of a lot worse, if we're being honest. But I do think he is a a guy who can be a nice round out your fantasy thing. And I think there's just enough upside to suggest that he can be a fantasy starter someday as well. Wouldn't be shocked if it was 2024. Drew, I'm going to talk about a player. And look, he didn't qualify because he only had 179 play appearances. But he had a 374 expected weighted on base average, a 575 expected slugging mark, barreled the ball 21.4% of the time, hard hit 49.1% of the time, uh, and average exit velocity of 91. That hitter is Nelson Velasquez, who is only 24 years old. And I just don't think we talked enough about how impressive this guy was, especially to end the season the strikeouts are problematic. He swung and missed 33.7% of the time and 28.5% of his at-bats ended with a strikeout. Uh, 7.8% walk rate tells you that he's not exactly in love with drawing walks, but isn't completely allergic. I mean, you can get away with that walk rate and still be a regular, but this guy just scorches the baseball. And the other thing I was interested in looking at here was he was one of the most unlucky hitters away from his home park of any hitter in baseball at home, let me give you the road stats first. 131, 185, 328. That is awful. It's only 65 plate appearances, but that is atrocious. Batting average and balls in play. Oh my gosh. I just just choked on my own words looking at how unlucky this is. 121. At home, he hit 297, 368, 743. Now, If It it averages out into a pretty darn solid season. But I do think he was a lot better than even these numbers maybe even suggested to you. I think he's going to get a chance to play a lot. The other thing that I was interested in looking at is he was better against right-handers than left-handers. I would guess that Nelson Velasquez can figure things out and become a Southpaw killer. He just has that kind of profile to him. I would not be shocked if Nelson Velasquez was a middle of the order hitter that gets a chance to drive in some pretty good and underrated players. Maybe potentially Michael Garcia, who we talked about just a second ago. Do not be surprised at all if Nelson Velasquez is a breakout star in twenty twenty
2: four. I had to look back and remember what that trade was because you know he was like kind of a guy that would Nelson Velasquez being um, a guy that would like pop in limited situations with the Cubs, and mm-hmm. he got traded for Jose Quas. Jesus. It's in and yeah, at, at the trade deadline this past year. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I like barely remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. and then Kwasa is like a decent enough reliever, 29 year old right handed reliever with some, some strikeouts on his ledger, but um, issues a lot of walks too. That could wind up being a nice trade for the Royals. Um, and I don't know, like, I know that actually Royals fans anecdotally, just a lot of my family lives in Kansas. They really liked Dayton more mm-hmm. um, as, as a person and like, but I, I think since he's taken a, a step back, they're doing more interesting things as an agree. organization. Yeah. percent And, and with the payroll limitations, I think they have real payroll limitations. Um, kind of like Tampa Bay I'm sure they could spend a little bit more money but they've got to spend it in the right ways and and I think maybe like building this young core that they've started to build they can do that um anyway yeah we're we're digging deep here with Nelson Velasquez I'm going to dig even deeper my my final potential breakout hitter for 2024 and remember these are more under the radar names we're not like zeroing in on on top prospects but it's going to be Rockies outfielder Hunter Goodman um and yeah, I mean it's it's a long shot, and I've fallen for this same type of player in this same type of situation with the Rockies, like earlier, Sam yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> many other players over the years who you know they lit it up in in the hitter friendly Colorado minor league system, you know, and then you think, all right, there's a chance for this to translate at Coors Field, and and I'm just an idiot and I just fall for that. Um, but Goodman's minor league numbers, like they definitely jump off the page. A, a 9.24 OPS, 72 home runs and 229 RBIs in 263 career games on the farm. He was a fourth round pick in 2021 out of the University of Memphis. He's Torn it up. He's torn it up at every step, like of, of the minor leagues, until that pretty underwhelming debut with with the Major League Rockies down the stretch in 2023. There are some red flags in this profile. Like, there's a ton of swing and miss. Is he going to be chasing pitches out of the zone too often? That's something that Major League pitchers can and will exploit. Uh, but the raw power, the the park, he's going to be able to call home. Yeah, with a pretty secure path to regular playing time right now in, in the corner outfield. I, I doubt they're going to like make big out field additions you know maybe just stream goodman and in, in home games if, if that's a thing that is possible to pull off in your league stream them like a pitcher but it's going to be you're playing them at course field um i like all of these potential starting outfielders for the rockies actually nolan jones is yeah legit um, or at least like he is, he's gaining that kind of recognition in the fantasy industry to where I think he's going to be a top 50 pick Yeah, um, in, in drafts this spring. Even Brenton Doyle, who, you know, had some brutal rate stats last year, but he got up to double digit homers. I think he hit, he hit that his 10th homer on the final day of the regular season, or maybe it was the second to last day of the regular season and 22 stolen bases. And he won a gold glove. Yeah, Um, deservedly. So for his excellent Doyle being I'm talking about his excellent defense in center field. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, look at me falling in love with fringe Rockies prospects again. I've learned nothing. I've learned nothing.
1: (laughs) You know, what's funny is when I looked at the list, I was like. There's going to be a Rocky on this list, but (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be a different one. I thought you might be go with Sean Bichard, who I actually considered adding to the list as well, just because he was so good to end the year and the rate stats were absolutely incredible for him. I think he's one of those wait and see guys though, like to see if he's actually going to be getting regular playing time. Cause the outfielders you just mentioned, I think it's probably going to be your starting outfield, but he's at least worth keeping an eye on because those metrics and in those parks. I think could be really impressive. So you took a shot in the deep end. I'm like in the deep end and shooting for an even deeper end. I'm going to talk about Everson, Everson Pereira, who, look, he was a disaster in the major leagues. Like if you look at the just the stats, 151, 233, 194, and 103 plate appearances. But I can't help but be intrigued by a 22-year-old who had an average exit velocity almost of 92 miles an hour. Hit the ball hard 54.7% of the time and connected on the sweet spot 39.6% of the time. Now, all those numbers are meaningless if you strike out in 38% of your bats and with 43% of the time, which, oh, by the way, Everson Pereira did. But this is one of the best prospects in the system. There were some flashes after a just dreadful start is an understatement of understatement for Pereira. He just could not figure things out. But as the season got deeper, I think he started to look a little bit more comfortable at the plate and kind of reminded folks of what type of talent this guy can be. This is a 22-year-old still. Um, It's probably going to take either a couple of injuries or a trade, and I wouldn't be shocked by the trade thing. Like, if the Yankees are serious for going for it and if they miss out on Yamamoto, I could see them being very active in the trade market for another starting pitcher. But if he does get a chance to be a regular playing time guy, and if he does have a really nice spring training and makes the Mar- uh, makes the Mariners, that Freudian slip there, if the Yankees have to make a tough decision, he'd be someone I'd consider late in drafts because this guy's talent competes with any outfield prospect in baseball. It is not realized talent just yet, but those numbers I just gave you tell you that there's just a couple of tweaks away from Everson Pereira being a star.
2: You know, while you were talking about Everson Prayer, I was thinking, well, like maybe like Bouchard and, and Goodman and and all these kind of Rockies prospects can cycle in at DH. Um, but I then I remembered that they signed Charlie Blackman to a <laughs> contract <laughs> extension on the final week of the regular season. Um uh, good yeah, times. That's right. Yeah. And it's times not too. it's not like a cheap extension too. It was a one year thirteen million. Ah uh, yeah. I, they they operate differently. They, they zig, uh, everyone else smarter zags. Is there anybody?
1: <laughs> is there anybody who hasn't made their major league debut yet outside of Churio that you're really excited about for 2024? I'll just give you one name for me. Uh, it's going to be a little tough for him, I think, to break in just because of their current situation. But Wyatt Langford is extremely intriguing yeah. for the Rangers. The fact he already reached Triple I would go with Dylan Cruz, except for the injury that ended his season last year. And I still think he could make his debut this year for certain. I also think Livy Dunn's boyfriend could also make his debut this year. Um, that's Stings. what I'm going to call him. That's what I'm going to call him for the rest of my life is Paul Skeens. But no, you Livy <sighs> Libby Dunn's boyfriend. Your girlfriend is a lot more famous than you, and you're just going to have to deal with that. But I really like Wyatt Langford. The other one I'll mention is Brooks Lee, who I think is going to get a chance to play for Minnesota. Might need to find a spot for him, to be honest with you, because that infield looks a little depleted. But I also see them making some moves. I could see a, a Polanco move. I could see a few different types of things happening with that team. But Langford and Lee are the two guys that kind of stand out for me.
2: I mean, Jackson holiday counts, right? Yeah. (laughs) He would would be high on my list. Um, I'm thinking like guys that debuted last year, but didn't show a whole lot. Like Jordan Lawler. Are we still really excited about him? I I don't know where exactly he fits right away. Yeah. Um, Evan Carter doesn't count anymore. I was going to put him on my breakout candidates, but he had like the, the greatest October ever so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I was hard gonna say. Say, yeah I wonder where um, he's gonna go in a draft though I, that, that'll be really intriguing
1: oh it's gonna um, be really interesting because he, he yeah. was not only was he good it's where he was hitting in the lineup and I'm sorry that matters if you are showing that kind of confidence in a flipping 12 year old you obviously believe in this guy an awful lot and I wouldn't be shocked if he was he's the perfect leadoff hitter for me I would absolutely want that guy hitting at the top, if not for the fact that he had Marcus Simeon as well. But Simeon Carter, Carter Simeon, and then you got Corey Seager to drive those guys in, man. Awful lot to like about that. One other name I'll mention is Colt Keith. I think he's got a really good Hmm. chance to win the third base job. Uh, They also have a guy named Justin Henry Malloy, who I like. He's a little bit better as a real-life player, I think, than a fantasy guy. On base percentage, leagues. a little bit of a bump. Uh, But yeah, Colt Keith certainly... 60 power 60 hit i think he, he can make the opening player.
2: day roster he, yeah. he could be he could be that kind of player and they've been aggressive with those type of guys yeah like yes, we they saw
1: with riley green and we saw with spencer torkelson and I,
2: I, know, Tor- torkelson would qualify like he kind of broke out last year but i think I was there's just another say. step yeah there's another step for him
1: yeah, absolutely yeah it's uh it's interesting we were talking about him as kind of a uh wasn't going to use the b-word with him but like wondering what exactly this guy was going to be based on stuff but the way he figured things out in the second half man like that was the tigers who do you like better the tigers or the royals next year
2: man those those two teams i might enjoy watching more than any of the other three in that division same 100 (laughs) percent um i would oh man i think the tigers no I like the Royals lineup better.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's fair. But and, yeah. I, and I don't know is the the Tigers pitching is is so like stop and starty. Yeah, um, and and losing Eduardo Rodriguez is is not a great thing for that rotation. No, that's fair. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I like the Royals better. The more I talk about the Royals, the more I think they could. You know, win 82 games and win the, the division, or at least contend for it.
1: <laughs> I on, on that dreadful website, I said, I would not be surprised by anything that the Royals do. They could finish first, they could finish fifth. I think a lot of this is going to come down to, and I'm sure that uh, I'm going to have to talk to Ryan about not mentioning Cole Reagans as one of his breakout guys, because he already happened, man. But if Cole Reagans is that same pitcher, if they have a legitimate ace at the top of that rotation, how many other teams, well, Tariq Skubal, I mean, that's, that'll be interesting. Maybe it comes down to who's better, Scooball or Regans.
2: but the AL Central's interesting to talk about, Drew. How about that? Well, it's interesting because it's like a, a train wreck.
1: Yeah, train wrecks are interesting. I, I watch them all the time. I make sure and slow down as much as possible. No, they're very scary, and I'm very sorry to anybody who What the heck am I doing? Uh, Let's just end the show right now. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I think we were more entertained than you were, but, hey, that happens sometimes. Uh, We will not talk to you before the holidays probably, so uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, all great holidays. we we wish a happy one to you no matter what you celebrate. Uh, please hit like and subscribe despite this absolute train wreck of an ending of this podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on that website at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Drew at Drew Silve. And make sure, uh, com slash pod, a free look behind our paywall. It's an awesome deal. Tons of great articles going up. Cannot recommend it enough. Draft Guide's coming out soon. Draft Draft Guide's coming out soon, too, featuring work from the excellent Drew Silva and the so-so Chris Crawford. Talk to you next time.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality